Hey, welcome to Chase Oaks. So glad to be with you. My name is Ryan, part of the teaching team here. Uh, I want to take a moment to greet everybody watching online. What's up to everybody at Woodbridge, Sloan Creek, Richardson, everybody, Espanol. Uh, we are in a series called Future Quest today. I want to talk to you about why you should not go chasing waterfalls. Just kidding. Now, today uh, we're talking about distractions. In this collection of talks we've called Future Quest, we've been taking a look at God's preferred destination for our life and how we can get there. And oftentimes what happens on the way is we get distracted. I want to begin today in Ephesians chapter 2. It says this, says, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Here's what I want you to know at the beginning. Whether you're a church person or not, you need to know that long before you were born, God planned for you to do a good thing. And I would hate for you to live your life and miss it. Regardless of any setback that has happened in your life, that has not changed God's mind about the good thing that he wants to happen in your life. He planned it long before you were born And I would hate for you to miss it. Jesus gave us a parable. It's the parable of the sower. And in it, he gives us a destination that I believe he has designed for each and every one of us. And I want us to go to Mark chapter 4 and we can read it together. It says, says, listen, a farmer went out to plant some seed. As he scattered it across his field, some of the seeds fell on a footpath. The birds came and ate it. Other seed fell on shallow soil with underlying rock. The seeds sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow, but the plant soon wilted under the hot sun, and since it didn't have deep roots, it died. Other seed fell among thorns that grew up and choked out the tender plant, so they produced no grain. Still, other seeds fell on fertile soil, and they sprouted, grew, produced a crop that was 30, 60, and even 100 times as much as had been planted. Then he said... Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. Can we pray together? Lord, I pray that in these next few moments, you would help us get laser focused on the good thing you planned for us to do a long time ago. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody say it. Uh, I believe we live in a culture where we believe we are good at multitasking, that we can do multiple things at the same time and somehow be effective. It took me a while to learn that I am not very good at multitasking. It took me a while to learn that I am not very good at having a meaningful conversation with my wife and watching the NBA at the same time. <laughs> Long time. It took me because I was, mm-hmm, yeah, uh-huh, uh-huh. Two minutes ago in the fourth quarter, it's a two-point game, and my wife wants to have a meaningful conversation about, I don't know, because I was only half listening. And my wife figured out early on in our marriage, the best way to figure out if I'm truly listening is that pop quiz. You ever got hit with that pop quiz, bro? Oh, man, you get hit with a pop. Like two minutes to go in the game, you going to throw a pop quiz on me right now? You know I don't know the answers to these pop quiz. Do I get multiple choices? Always fill in the blank. It's hard to do anything effective or meaningful when we are distracted. I love this parable. I I love Jesus. Jesus often would teach parables in his sermons, in his speaking publicly. But Jesus 
he did something interesting. Uh, Jesus would give the parable um, like, like, like I just read that story to you. But then Jesus, he would just leave. He would just share it and be like, all right, bye. If you got ears, you good. Okay, I'm out. And he'd just take off. He'd be like, what? And the disciples, they're hilarious. They're like, yeah, we love Jesus. Jesus, that was an awesome message. What does it mean? Like, wait, they didn't know either. They're like, seed, ground, what with this? And in this parable, what you must understand uh, about any ancient parable is to understand a parable, you just need to know what the key is. You need to know what the key is. And the key in this parable is the farmer plants seed by taking God's word to others. Jesus is letting us know, hey, if you want to understand this parable, you must know that seed is God's word. What Jesus is about to do is he's about to break down what I believe are four levels of what we can do with God's word. And you can see this on level one. It says the seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message only to have Satan come at once. Take it away. It's level one. You ever heard a really good message, but it went in one ear and out the other? It never made its way to your actual life. Like, you went, man, that was a great message today. But it never made its way into your actual lifestyle. You're like, Dave Ramsey, man, that's good, man. <laughs> I'm still broke. It's one thing to hear the message, but sometimes we have an adversary of our soul that just never lets it actually become into production, into our life. That's level one. Level two is, it says, the seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing God's word. You ever been there? Have you ever had this like, oh man, you're, you just had this thriving relationship with God when things were going well and then something happened. And then if we're not careful, our relationship with God becomes seasonal. It's like when things are going well, it's like, yeah, 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 we're going to go to church now. Things are going well and then something happens. And then for some odd reason, we go, oh, we're just going to kind of do our own thing until we kind of figure things out. Maybe somewhere deep inside our souls we have blamed God for our circumstances and it just doesn't seem right to just... It feels like you're pretending to say that God is good when you don't actually feel like He is. It's level two. And here's what I want you to know this weekend. God wants each and every one of us to grow. He wants us to go into a deeper relationship with him, with a preferred future that he has designed for us long before we were born. Level three says the seed that fell among thorns represents others who hear God's word, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the worries of this life, the lure of wealth, and the desire for other things. So no fruit is produced. At this level, you got a relationship with God. You go to church, but you also got a relationship with stuff. You, you're, if we could peel back the layers of your heart, man, it's, it's full. Like God's in there. He's on the list. 
but he doesn't really control. He, he's got so much competition. This is where you do the drive-by verse of the day. You know what I'm saying? You give God 15 seconds, you read it, and now you move on. But it's just, you move on to all of the other worries of this life. And our lives can be so busy that we actually miss God's preferred destination for our life. We're so busy trying to be successful (laughs) that we actually end up having no purpose at all. And then, level four... It says, and the seed that fell on good soil represents those who hear and accept God's word and produce a harvest of 30, 60, or even 100 times as much as had been planted. Oh, at this level, this is where you've heard a message and it has made its way into your life and you're actually beginning to see the multiplication and the fruit of what God's word can do in your heart and in your soul. The question you've got to ask yourself today is, what kind of ground are you? What kind of soil are you? At some point, you have to take an in-depth look at your spiritual journey and just say, where am I? You feel like you're living at level one. You feel like you're living at level two, level three, level four. The second question is more important. What kind of ground do you want to be? Where do you want to go? I mean, you actually have to say that out loud to get there. Now, who in here is going to be like, ah, you know what, I'm good with level two. Okay, I don't want to go no, nowhere past level two. I'm going to let everybody else go. No, I mean, we all want to have a life. We don't want to miss God's plan for our life. So what's keeping us from getting there? Jesus gives us a couple of categories. First one, he says, having problems. Oh, when somebody loses a job, whew, it's tough. When you're looking for a job, you can spend more time on Indeed.com than you do in the Word. Let's just be honest. Because it's just going, man, i, I got to get a job. i got to get a job. And you just, whew. man, you might even look at God and go, it's your fault. And, and before you know it, your relationship with God, it, it just, just kind of drifts off. Divorce. Oh, this can derail us. Oh, this can make us lose. This brings our world crashing down, splits a home. We're just trying to find God in the midst of that. Oh, it's it's tough when you or someone you love is sick. It's what do you do when you've asked God to intervene and He didn't? That that alone is enough for you to just walk away and just go, nah, I'm good. I don't want anything to do with this. I, I, I was told that I could pray for anything in his name. I did and didn't get it, and so I don't understand it. And so I'm just going to kind of walk away. Some of us struggle with depression so bad, we don't even understand how we can be a Christian that is supposed to smile and be happy all the time, and you're just not. And you don't know what to do with that. So for you, you've opted to just go on. I think I'm just going to try and figure it out on my own. When we've lost a loved one, I know people to this day who still haven't recovered. They miss their loved one so much, and they just can't understand, and they're still grieving, and it's been five and ten years, and their relationship with God has dwindled. 
just spiraled from one memorial service. They've never been the same. Here's good news. Here's what I want to encourage you with this weekend. All of our pain and problems can either be used to steer us away from God or be used to steer us closer to God. Hear me and hear me clear. The fact that you've gone through what you've gone through, the fact that you've faced adversity is not a sign that God is not for you. And here's what I would tell you. For everything that you're going through and everything that you will go through, you do not want to go through that without God. You don't want to do it. You do not want to get your own way. You do not want to come up with your own plan. I promise you it is not as good as what he already planned for you long before you were born. You don't want to miss it. All of that. In that moment when you decided, you know what, I'm out, you should have been like, no, I'm more in than ever before because I need it more than ever before. I need God to show up more than I did before things were good. So I'm going to show up and I'm going to open his word and I'm going to go, please speak to me today with something because I need you. And I need you bad. Don't walk away. Walk towards. Second category. Jesus gives us that keeps us from our preferred destination that God has set up for us a long time ago. Worries of this life. For some of us, it's belonging. Oh, we've done some things to belong that didn't even make sense. Oh, just to be popular, just to fit in. Oh, I thought peer pressure ended in middle school. I think it got worse. We just don't call it peer pressure anymore. It's neighbor pressure. Like, you just be looking around. Don't even know them. Don't even talk to them. You be like, oh, I see you with the Tesla. Okay, I see you. What's going on? All right, all right, all right. I got you. I got you. Like, you just feel this, this thing. And some of us, we're so worried about somebody approving us. Like waiting for someone to put their stamp on us, all the things that we've done to, to be liked and to get some. Oh, it's, it's insane how much we worry. Oh, this is a big one. Our children's success. Oh, I got a five-year-old and a nine-month-old. I'm already. Who told us that their success is connected to our brand? Like our brand is going to be ruined if they make one bad decision. Like, oh, what have you guys been doing, huh? Not very present. Must not have been taking them to church. No, I took them to church. They're worse. (laughs) But we feel it. Oh, my God. Listen, I know some moms, they don't pray to God about nothing but their kids. Oh, Lord, I pray for Johnny. I pray for Johnny. Oh, Lord, touch Johnny right now. Oh, God, I'm just, if you praying for food, you'd be like, Lord, bless this food and Johnny. You'd be like, <laughs> God's looking back like, can we talk about something else? <laughs> worry, man. Oh, we, we're so good at worrying. Some of us, it's, it's, it's a career outcome. Some of us, it's a relationship status. Will we always be single? Will I always be stuck in this marriage? Will it ever 
have life again? Will I ever feel the love again? Do you know how much energy it takes to worry? A lot. I mean, like if we could take a fine-tooth comb through just our past week, I wonder how much of it did we spend worrying about things we can not control. Worry, worry, worry. Here's the good news this weekend. I want to tell you to do this. I want to encourage us all to do this. Control the things you can't control. Pray about everything else. Both require energy. You might as well use it, giving those things to God that you can't control anyways. Because we spend most of our life trying to control it. And we're horrible at it. It never works. Prayer does. So I'm going to spend my life praying about what I can't control. And the things that are in my control, man, I want to do a good job. I want to do a good job at my job. But if the economy goes a different way, I don't know what I can do about the the economy. Listen, I'm going to trust that God's got my life in his hands. And I'm going to do the best I can with what I have and pray about the rest. Now, this last category. Jesus is going for the jugular on this one. Don't shoot the messenger. Lure of wealth and desire for other things. I mean, you you, you, you want to go through the list? I mean, what we got? We got houses, we got cars, we got clothes, we status, upgrades of everything in our world. Before you know it, we're raising children that think that they need everything upgraded too. Um, I did some studying this week, um, and I found uh, a troubling stat. It's a little outdated, but still pretty true. Um, Of residents uh, or or cities that have 250,000 residents or more, Plano is the wealthiest city in America. I live in McKinney. I don't know y'all. I mean, y'all baller. I live in McKinney. I've been looking over. I just touched play. I'm looking up. I'm like, oh, I see you. I see you over there in Plano. Okay. All right. All right. Come visit y'all sometime. That's awesome. Preaching in Plano this weekend. Come on. I said, all right. All right, Plano. I see you. It's awesome. Number one. So this is amazing. Then I read another statistic. Plano, number three, highest divorce rate in America. Two completely different statisticians. But man, really high on two lists. Which simply makes me wonder, is this lure for wealth and desire for other things good for us? I mean, let's just be honest about the North Dallas culture to upgrade everything and to keep up. Our kids feel it. If you're in high school or it doesn't matter, we all feel the pressure. I'll be honest with you. Me and my house, me and my wife just built 
a brand new house. Blessed to have it. It's not a monstrosity whatsoever. It's in McKinney. Hello. I don't know what your house looks like, okay, but, but, but it's, it's nice. I ain't going to lie. It's nice. It ain't got no pool. Ain't no basketball court there. The Lord's teaching me. I'm suffering right now, okay? Listen, it's, it's, but it's nice. It's new. It's brand new. Uh, we were the third house on the street. So now they're building up all the other houses, okay? This is me driving out from my garage looking at the other new houses that's going up. Oh, uh, we should have did that. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. We should have painted it that. We, yep, yep. What was we thinking? Yep, yep, yep. Mm-hmm, yep. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. That house, it's a house bigger than all. Oh, they do that. They fence. No, we need to change our fence. And then this is me laying in bed on Zillow talking about some, let me see what Frisco got or Plano. Hello. I'm like, wait a minute. They got over there. Miles is brand new. But why is it that I can fall for the North Dallas trap of it just not being good enough? I'll be honest again, like I've been lying this whole time. Okay, right. <laughs> I leased a brand new car three years ago. Brand new. I can't tell you how often since I got it that I've been trying to figure out what I'm going to lease after my lease is up. <laughs> the whole time, the whole three years, I've been like, okay, next I'm going to get, oh, yeah, this, this, might, this might be faster. Oh, yeah, then, then I'm going to do this, and then I'm going to do that. And then one day I woke up and realized, I don't know that I was even enjoying what God had already given me. The people in it, the job I already had, the stuff that this isn't a you problem, it's us. It's, it's this lure. It's just more, 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 more. I, <laughs> I got a couple neighbors that got Teslas. Before I knew it, I was like, I need a Tesla. I need a Tesla. Yeah, I need a Tesla. Need. Look at the psychology problem I have. Need what? Need? You ever tell your husband you need a new kitchen like the stove to stop working? No. No, you can cook in the old one. It worked just the same as the new one. But for some reason, we just... And it's not that these things are, are, are bad. It's just that they can distract us. They can consume us if, if we're not careful. I wonder what it would look like for us to just have enough. And to really focus on what really matters the most. You see, here's what I believe. We have to ask ourselves this question. Do we have wealth or does wealth have us? Which is it? And the way you can know is by how much it consumes you and how much you think about it, how much you worry about it, how much you scrape and crawl and fight over it. At some point, we've got to let it go. Wealth is really only a problem 
for us when we believe it can do things for us that only God can. That's God's job. And somehow we give that job description to other things, this desire for other things. And before you know it, you wake up and you're wealthy and you've missed God's plan for your life altogether. And you ask yourself, how in the world did I get here? Distraction. And I think the way for us to get back on track is to get laser focused in the disco. This is just stuff. And I want to wake up every single day and enjoy everything that God has given me. Here's, here's the filter I think we should use for everything that we hold dear. God, is this destiny or distraction? God, is this a part of my destiny? Or is this a distraction keeping me from it? This is really great to ask on like a third or fourth date. You know what I'm talking about? Destiny. (laughs) Or distraction. This is a great question to even ask yourself even about your current job or if you're even going through a job interview. Destiny? Or distraction? Uh, the question I think we, we, we've got to end with is, is we've got to answer this question. What are we going to do with the message God has given us? Or I could say the messages God has given us. Because where you end up in God's preferred destination for your life truly hinges on God's work and what you do with it. And what kind of ground and how you receive it. And so there's two things that I want to tell you to do as it pertains to God's word and his messages. You want to change your posture. And we've got to change our perspective. Posture and perspective. Posture and perspective. The first thing you want to do is you want to posture yourself in a way where you can truly receive God's word. Uh, I grew up in church. I grew up in black church. And as a black church pastor's kid, I was in church all the time. Like six days a week. We always had something. This is something at the church. If something was at the church, I had to be at it. I was at a deacon meeting, eight years old. I was like, why am I here? What are we doing? I don't want to be here. What are we talking about? Here's some candy, right? Eat in the corner. Why? Why am I here? We have 14 choirs, women's choir, children's choir, youth choir, midlife crisis choir. Like, why am I here for this choir rehearsal? I don't want to be here. Then we had youth group. Then I went to a Christian school. We had chapel on Friday, church on the weekend. It was like, man, I, I, I'm pretty sure I'm saying I'm, I'm in. All right, I get it, okay? I'm tired of church. Then... I decided that I wasn't Christian enough and then decided to go to a Christian college where we had chapel every day, okay? Now, at at, at this Christian college, what they would do is they'd give you a certain number of skips, okay? So, and they put the chapel schedule out for the whole semester. And if you were a freshman, you got 15 skips. If you were a senior, you got 60 skips. I said, I cannot wait to be a senior, okay? Now, you would, uh, you could give... They called it slashing and dashing. You could give your card to somebody, and it it would make you appear like you were in chapel, but really you were sleeping. I never did that, but I had friends that (laughs) asked me to do that for them. And I was like, I'm a Christian, can't do that. So, um, but there was was this, which chapel are we going to go to thing, you know? And so you would kind of align your skips and look at the chapel schedule and kind of go, uh, I don't know if I like this guy or I've never heard of him. He looks boring. He sounds boring. She, no. And you would just kind of 
divvy out when you were going to go to chapel and when you weren't. But there was always sort of the chapel debrief after chapel at lunch that everybody would kind of talk about what happened at chapel. And, you know, I can't tell you how many times I went to lunch with a friend that went to chapel and I did not. And they would say the following. I heard God today. God spoke to me in a way like I've never heard him before. Something changed in my life today. And I missed it doing what exactly? The interesting thing that Jesus does in this parable is he puts no responsibility of the seed sower. Just the receiver. Which completely ruins most of our theology that believes we would grow better if you would just preach better. If the speaker just did a better job, then, man, I would be doing really good right now. If I got on this stage and simply read a couple of verses out loud, it would be more than enough for you to grow, depending on your posture. I don't know about you, but I've walked away from some services and I was like, man, that sermon was not very good. Not at this church, but some other places that I've been. (laughs) I was like, man, that wasn't good, man. My homie need to work on the skids or something, man. That just wasn't. I I can't tell how many times I've delivered a message that I went, that was bad. That was not that was not good. And and it's interesting Um, in both scenarios. I've I've heard the worst, done the worst. And somebody will walk away and go, that was the best message I've ever heard. And I'll go, what was you listening to? Were we in the same building? How? Sometimes when I'm feeling the worst about a message I've delivered, someone's going, it's the best I've ever heard. I'm going, you need new ears. But what was the difference between us and them? Posture. They were probably taking notes. They were leaned in. You ever been around a new Christian that was excited about every verse? Oh, they'd be hyped. You'd be like, Psalms 23, the Lord is my shepherd. They'd be like, ooh, you hear that? That's a word. Woo! You'd be like, man, we do that. You don't, that's, that's, that's just Psalms 23. No, not to them. To them, it's everything. Man, at some point, I think we got to get back to getting to that place where when we first believed and we just went... Man, I can learn anything from anybody. If the word of God is being spoken, I'll take it. Second thing I think we got to do, we got to change our perspective. Every single one of our perspectives has been shaped by somebody. A parent, a pastor, a politician, a news station, a celebrity, social media. Every single one of our perspectives was shaped and molded by somebody. And at some point, we have to take our perspective on the world and begin to go, how much has God's word had an influence on my perspective and how I see everything? You may have been wondering today if you've ever heard me speak, why in the world is he sitting down the whole time? He usually is running around the stage a little bit more with some energy. Friday, I was playing basketball and I sprained my ankle. Now, the minute I sprained my ankle, I thought to myself, thank you, Jesus, that it's not my Achilles heel. (laughs) And thank God, 
it is not my right foot because I can still drive. And I'm just on the sidelines laughing. People are like, you okay, man? I'm like, I am really good. Trust me. There are some people in much worse condition than me right now. You know what else is interesting? I kind of go at a pace that's often too fast. And I got home and my wife goes, I think this is going to be good for you. I went, thank you. Can I get some ice or something? <laughs> and yesterday, my son was my little helper. He kept running up and down the stairs, bringing ice to me and, and doing that. And we had, we had movie day yesterday. And I just thought, we wouldn't have had movie day if my ankle was... If I could walk, I would probably walk out the house. We'd be going somewhere. We'd be on the move because that's just part of the life, right? Let's go do something. No, it's good. Man, I wonder what could happen to us if we just decided to be people. Here's the deal. You can't control what's going to happen tomorrow, but you can't control your posture and you can't control your perspective on what happens tomorrow. What's your perspective? And who is shaping it the most? My hope and prayer is that everything I've ever been taught or everything that I've ever believed, that I am consistently taking that to God, going, Lord, I want to make sure that you have the most influence on my perspective on anything that happens in my life. I believe that's how we move forward. To our Ephesians 2.10. It's not that bad things won't happen to plain old people. (laughs) No, it's coming for sure. That's called life for all of us. And when it does, my hope and prayer is that we would run towards God. And that we wouldn't miss out on God's preferred future for our life. Because we were distracted trying to attain some things and some status that maybe isn't that good for us and our family anyways. So what would it look like for us to just say there's just stuff, it's just wealth in God? I don't want to miss my Ephesians 2.10 for anything or anybody because it's not about the stuff. It's not about the people. It's about our attachment to them. When God's just on the list somewhere in there. No, what would it look like if we just cleared out the clutter in our lives a little bit and just say, hey, God, it's all about you. And everything else simply revolves around you. It's Jesus at the center. And I believe that's how we move forward in our future quest for God's preferred destination for our life. God, I thank you so much for this amazing church. I pray God that you would help us remove distractions. God, I pray that we would get laser focused on exactly the good thing that you planned for us to do a long time ago. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody say it.